Okay, there we go. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Today, we got two special guests in the building. We got Suleiman Jenkins. He's an academic scholar and a researcher in the field of applied linguistics. And we got Mutabil, a former member of Tupac's legendary outlaws group. And they came out with a book called Life is Raw, the story of a reformed outlaw. And it's a fantastic book. I read the whole book. I mean, it's it's super educational. And that's the part that's like that kind of surprised me. I thought it was going to be a story about Mutai's life. But in reality, I learned so much about the inner city, about police, police brutality, racism at the time. I learned about, you know, what was really going on between the East and the West Coast. You know, and then on top of that, that put perspective onto Mutai's life in a way, you know. Um, what he had to go through at such a young age and how, you know, spoiler alert, he became Muslim. <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it was Definitely. like, it was, you know, a great experience reading it. I recommend this book to all of you, but I mean, it's a pleasure to have you guys on. How have you guys been? Alhamdulillah. It's all good. <laughs> all good. All good now, yeah, right? <laughs> taking it easy. Yeah, all good. Broke fast, drinking some coffee. <laughs> it's all good. Back in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, yes, these guys. Yeah. What about you? So much? Much? about the book, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of hard work, you know. No, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think the best part of this book, to be honest, was uh, just the, the structure, like the format. You got even the, for me, man. Like even for me, reading a book, Aki, I, Wallahi, bro, I think it's hard to top it. I'm not just saying it because. <laughs> It's a book about my life. I just personally never read anything written in that style that's so smooth, so like clear. Um, even though Suleiman, I told him before, I learned so many big words, mashallah. <laughs> but still, it was a way, he, the book is written in a way that no matter anybody educational level, background, they would be able to get the story, they'd be able to get the book, man. So I'm surprised this is a book about my life written like that, mashallah. <laughs> yeah, mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, exactly the format... Like that, the format was like, okay, you got Muta coming in, telling his stories, right? And it's like written just like, you know, if you guys follow him on Instagram and everything, it's you could kind of hear him say it, right? And then and then you got the narrations by Suleiman coming in and just giving you the background of exactly what Muta is talking about. It's so, so perfect. It's genius, mashallah. Allah bless our brother, man. Yeah, mashallah. Part two coming soon, inshallah. Part two, okay. All right, I'll be the first one to buy that then. <laughs> Suleiman, what's your background, man? What's your background? Uh, well, uh, you know, from Brooklyn, born and raised. Um, uh, yeah, grew up. Um, you know, grew up sort of. You know, focused on academics. So I went to some pretty some some pretty good schools, um, and I was just navigating between life in the hood and life, you know, in in really, you know, top schools and you know. Um, I was slated to work on Wall Street and sort of left it, left it at the end of the, at the, at the, uh, the, the opportunity was presented to me. I just, you know, sort of gave it up, returned to my roots as a Muslim, then came to Saudi Arabia, you know, and the rest is history. Met, met, met the homie, you know, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> how'd you get here? In, ter in terms of like academics, you know, I've been very fortunate to really, you know, study at some really top institutions. So, you know, like I said, there's no there's no mistake about why you were able to get such a, such um you know uh hopefully rich context with his life it wasn't going to be just a story about mm -hmm. his life without taking without taking into account you know important historical and cultural things that was going on at the time 
you know, so that's where I had to put my research hat on. And hopefully it paid off. <laughs> oh, it did, no. yeah. It did, for sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, how'd you guys meet? Like, um, how'd that happen? We met through a mutual friend, um, Cassius. Shout out to Cassius. Cassius uh, when right. I first moved to Saudi Arabia, that was over 10 years ago. And um, that was the first time we met. I, it was at your job, right? At that particular job you was at. No, nah, no, nah, we met at the Oh, no, we met at the restaurant. Yeah, I don't know why I keep forgetting the restaurant. We Chico. met at the restaurant, so Chico's, a Mexican restaurant. Mm. And we just hit it off, man. You know, a couple months yeah. later, or probably like a year later, I think we really got close when I, um, you came to my coffee truck. Yeah, that yeah. day on, like, we just kept in touch, you know what I mean? I, you yeah. came and supported the opening of my coffee truck, and that was like um, eight, nine years ago, and we just been in touch ever since, you know what I mean? Kobe mm. and Shaq. Where did you guys like when you were writing this book or when this when the process of this book uh, being written was taking place, where were you guys meeting mostly at the coffee shop or or through Zoom? Like where? I think um, over the phone, through the coffee shop. You know what I mean? Initially, it started off over the phone, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah we we. Um, we had like we went out to go see Bottle Jack out in uh, out in what you call it, out in uh, oh, yeah, Dubai. Dubai. And shout out to him. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Bottle. Shout out to Bottle Jack. Uh, when on that trip, we basically brainstormed the whole the whole you know the whole sequence. How are we gonna play it down? You know the concepts, the themes, and stuff like that. And then yeah, you know because we're in two different cities, you know it was kind of you know we obviously weren't able to sit sit you know um, uh, every day, but you know, a lot of times we call it, you call each other on the phone, or I would drive down there to uh, to Riyadh, and they would meet at the coffee shop, and you know, bang yeah, he out. you was driving out here like every weekend, I remember something like that. Yeah, the time, how far? Yeah, but, how far is it? About three hour drive. Yeah, oh to, to North Carolina, that's far, bro. He'd be in a whole other state. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, oh man, know, three hours that's from like here. Driving from, it's like New York, no. And now it's nah, like nah, North Carolina, sure. it's like to DC, DC, around yeah. Washington, okay, DC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, how long has it been since you've been back here? Because you said New York, that's like twelve. <laughs> it's like thirteen hours, man. Yeah, I think yeah, that that's probably it yeah, from what. But Washington DC to New York is about three hours, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? I just find Suleiman from New York, but I just, you know, I just read um, yesterday, um, Suleiman, that Irvington, where I'm from. It's literally yeah. 24 minutes from Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? For half an hour. 24 yep. minutes, yeah. No more than a half an hour. And I remember as a kid, it felt like ages going to New York City. Like, that's you know, <laughs> that's like a whole nother country almost. When they say you want to go to Manhattan, we like, man, that's too far. <laughs> no? You know, I'm actually, I'm from New Jersey, too. I lived in, not in that part yeah. of New Jersey. That's a different world, yeah. but... I always say, I always say, I'm like, man, New Jersey is a different country within the United States. It's just it different. <laughs> it is, it is, and everywhere. It got a lot of good neighborhoods, though. A lot yeah, of no, spots, but but the bad is the bad. You know what I mean? Oh, we yeah. like between I mean, we between New New York. We don't really, and and it's like a whole other vibe out there. You know what I mean? As you see in the book. I think the way that Suleiman broke down what we went through, especially in the, the crack era when it first hit, exactly what happened. That's the reality of how it turned. Because New Jersey is mostly suburbs. You know what I mean? Newark is a yeah. big city, of course. But Irvington was like a suburb of Newark. Now, just because of the crack, it, 
invasion of crack. <laughs> it just became zombie zone. No, and and yeah, that happened to like Compton too. You know, very famously, it's just mm-hmm. it's in that era. It was ridiculous, right? It was ridiculous yeah, what they to cities, and because true, you true. your family was uh, pretty well off, and until so that incident happened, where that your uncle Definitely. or not blood uncle, but like your your father's very yeah. close friend, um, yes, yes, like killed your family. That's ridiculous, man. When that book started off yeah. like that, I was like, man, that that right there. Just to get to where you are today, it's just absolutely crazy. Alhamdulillah. 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 Life is raw. Life is raw. Life is raw. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And like one thing I think, I don't know if you guys meant to do this, but I feel like it was genius is when you guys would just, okay, you're talking about selling crack or, you know, you know, out in the streets the first time you get caught by the police, whatever. And it's, I'm like maybe 50 pages into the book. And then you mentioned your age. I'm like, yo, this guy, this guy's still like less than 10 years old. Like I, I was thinking of a 20 year old kid in my mind, you know? And yeah, it's like. I think did that purposely, mashallah. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, I mean, The whole yeah. purpose is really to just put you in the mind of this man, you know, from, from the cradle to the, you know, to where he's at right now. You know what I'm saying? To really put oh. him in, in, in these key moments of his life to have you there, you know, just being a, a key witness to what's going on. And yeah, I mean, you, he doesn't know what's going on, but you as an outside person observing, you're like, what the hell's going on? Nine, 10 years old selling crack? Like, are you serious? For sure, for sure. You know, that, that was done on purpose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And another slick thing I saw in the book, I got a quote right here. It said, um, uh, I think it was about uh, Mutai's grandmother, uh, Mela Russia. So, it said, with that, she smiled and went back into the kitchen to prepare a meal for her hungry adolescent guests. I'm like, man, <laughs> they're talking about the outlaws, I think, staying in, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, your yeah, grandmother's yeah. place. I was like, adolescent guests, that was so slick. I like that. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a nice cooked meal every day, bro. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's always, yeah, it's always, it's always, because, you know, you know, not for nothing, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, Mu and I were not that far, that different in age, in age. Um, you know, and I grew up with the outlaws, like they were, I really looked to Pac, like he was like, the, he was like the homie for me and for my, and for my homies back in, uh, in Brooklyn, you know, yeah. and the thing that really appealed to me was that the outlaws were my age, they were young homies, young riders, you know, and a lot of people, I don't think they realize how young these dudes were, they were straight, I mean, they were literally, Stop. Young dudes, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, we we was young, bro. Doing Kids. crazy stuff, doing crazy young, teenage, stuff. young teenagers. You're right, man. Doing grown so, man stuff, man. We was in, we was too young. We 14 years old and parties with not, but grown men, and we, we, it was a crazy life, bro. Definitely, right. So that and, that, and, that, had to be, that had to be uh, conveyed, you know, all throughout, you know, that to really put in context, like what imagine yourself at this age, what you would be doing. You know, you know, what, what would you be doing at this age? Yeah. And, and the fact that this book highlights the life of just a few of these kids when in reality, there's so many like there's so many. It, just to think about that, it's crazy. Still going through the same things today, but their lives, their lives are just not represented the way they should be. I guess their situations are not represented the way they should be because they're viewed at viewed as as not important enough to, uh, you know, create news or segments on it or, or any kind of material on it which is sad sure. man which is sad yeah, but... facts facts and honestly, but i mean you know that, that point right there i mean that's that's one of the reasons you know i really took 
when I saw when I you know when I saw you know how just compelling moves life was and things like that, you know, and and how this story, you know, although there are people who live, you know, they have much crazier lives, you know, than move, even though moves life is crazy, you know. Um, <laughs> but on average, a lot of there are a lot of people who share many similar elements to his life, and they just don't get the recognition that they deserve as you know. Their life is traumatic. You have to empathize with these people. You know what I'm saying? You can't call them victims. You can't call them. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't blame them and call, you know, you know, basically make them out to be always, you know, the ones in error. No, I mean, you have to look look at how this, how look at how he came to be the the way he was. You know, so it's important to highlight. And I was hoping to highlight, you know, this lifestyle and bring it to a level where people can at least appreciate, you know, that this is a way of life. And, you know, it, it's not something that you always be negative about. You should always criticize. You know, you have to accept yeah. people for what they're doing and their, their, their conditions, you know. And, and, understand and that they can turn they around, do. definitely. And they can turn they it can around, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, you were a product uh, of your own environment. It is what it is, right? Like people, people don't, they look at the final product, right? They look at where you are, you know, at the age of 15. People are probably judging you and everything, but they don't understand or they don't recognize that if they were if they grew up in that same environment, no matter what your skin color is, chances are they end up the same way. You know what I mean? Like sure. the same way. And it's, it's uh, the environment is what needs to be highlighted. But in that environment, you had, you know, the source of light of your grandmother, right? Creating this loving sure. atmosphere, which raising so many kids, you know, feeding them, housing oh. them in the midst of the chaos. So, yeah. That that was beautiful. That was a beautiful story with your grandmother. Like that, she really won over everybody's hearts in that book. Yeah. Uh, Meg, yeah. Thank you, thank story. you, thank you, brother. Thank you. Your grandma was the rock. You know, she was the backbone. Yeah, and and what age exactly did she uh, did she house you in? Like as a baby, right? Yeah, we moved in with my grandmother right after the death of my parents. You know, mm. she took me and my brothers in. We was three years old. I was three years old. And my youngest was six months and my brother Mooney was four years old. So she immediately, and you know, throughout my life, as we mentioned in the book, she, you know, she always had a, a, her door open for anyone that was in need. That's how I was yeah. raised. You know what I mean? It was always some family members in the house, always some friends in the house. She never said no to anyone. Anybody wanted, anybody in the neighborhood was hungry. They know they can come to my grandmother's house. They definitely going to eat something. <laughs> you know what I mean? This yeah. is the way she. This is the way she raises. Interview, yeah. But so. yeah, no. And, and when when you did initially move to your grandmother's house, I mean, you were probably too young to remember. But hey, some like brother, what's going on? You were probably yeah. too young to remember. But but do you have any rec uh, recollection of what happened to your family when you were a kid? Um, of course, I. You know, vaguely, I remember exactly. You know, I I knew that. You know, growing up, that you know, I definitely knew. You know, it wasn't no, you know, what I mean, I probably didn't understand, but my parent, my grandparents always made it known like God, your parents went to God, you know, they kept telling us that as a kid, you know what I mean? So I knew I didn't, something bad happened to my parents. I remember the incident and um, the way they raised us is that they kept reminding us that, you know, your parents went to God and they're not going to return. That's how my grandmother raised us. So it wasn't no, you know what I mean? No front and she was just straight up with it, you know? It is what it is. Because my grandmother was, a, when it comes to like Christianity, she was a woman that really tried to live her life as a real God-fearing woman, you know? Yeah. I'm to, to the point that I remember the first time I heard my grandmother say the word God damn. 
the whole house is like, what? Because she never, she never used to say cuss words. So we like, what the heck did we just do? <laughs> and your grandfather, there was like a little bit of a, like a funny situation that was mentioned in that book. You were like a kid and you're like, man, if my parents are with God, like, I want to go. I want to go there too. <laughs> your grandfather gave you a rope. He's like, "All right, go." And you're like, "No way." <laughs> yeah, he, he 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 challenged me, man. I never said that again. You know what I mean? <laughs> never never said that words again. You know. <laughs> For sure, man. Bro. That's how we learned in the hood. You know, <laughs> that was our therapy. Yeah, our therapy. I mean, so uh, did you grow up in a uh, a Muslim household? Yes and no. Like I was born Muslim, um, and my mom's practiced until I was about seven. And then after that, she kind of got weak. You know what I mean. But then after that, I loved just a, to live just a normal, you know, American life. <clears throat> but my name is Suleiman from from you know from birth, and uh, we always you know we always believed in Allah, and I never believed in Christianity anything like that. Uh, we just stopped praying and, and fasting and stuff like that. But I definitely you know definitely was Muslim. I'm proud to be Muslim. I'm yeah. It wasn't until like twenty that I. Um, that I came back, alhamdulillah. Yeah, and, and what, what made you come back? Like, what was your story like? Man, I mean, just wilding out. <laughs> you, mean, you, imagine, <laughs> you know, a, a black dude in New York, you know, with all types of access, you know, and, um, you know, just access to all the wrong things. You know, by Working the time I was... And then, yeah, I mean, and then also, yeah, you got, you have, like, you know, you got... A job that that's paying really well, you know, but it's like seventy hours a week, eighty hours a week, just doing all types of, you know, it's just it's just a just a vibe, man. It's out of out of at life, at crossroads in life. I was like, man, I can't do this, man. I don't. I, if I continue on the path, I'm gonna interview, this, interview. You know, so um, so basically, um, and I'm a, you know, I was a, I was a pretty decent basketball player too, and in college I wasn't able to. Um, my, my coach kind of jerked me around, so I wasn't able to use that as an outlet. So I turned to the wrong things for outlets, you know, and then basically, like I said, by the time I was 20, man, I did everything you can imagine. I was like, I, I can't, I, 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 you know, just, I don't, I don't need to do anymore. You know, what, where, what's the point of life? You know, so I said, so then I remember this land. And I was like, you know what, like, this is the purpose. And I, you know, Alhamdulillah. that's a, yeah. uh, like that stage in your life right before you became, uh, you went back to Islam was like, you know, I was talking to our brother, Amir, right? Alun, and he was saying, he called it the vampire state. Like it's the vampire state where nothing, like you, you did everything, you know, that, that is at one point you looked at as morally incorrect and everything that you don't really get pleasure from anything else in life because all the physical things you could have gotten pleasure from, you kind of already um, used it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, true, true. I did everything. Okay, what's next? Like everybody talked about this, I did it. Everybody talked about it, I did it. Okay, so you know, like it was like not, nothing else to do. You know? Yeah, been there and done that. You know, yeah, exactly. Cool. You even see that with uh, like celebrities or rich people. You know, without faith, they they accomplish a goal. Like the goal they set for their life to be like a movie star, let's say. Then they get there. They're twenty five years old, and they're like, okay, what else? Then they become depressed. You know, they they, true, they true. fall into all kinds of issues. And yeah, that's a real thing, man. That's a real thing. But yeah, that's what happened. That that's pretty much their industry. You know what I mean? That pretty much is what happens and um, what goes on. You know what I mean? They reach a certain level where you know when you're on the outside of the industry, they they paint this picture as if you go in there, you get involved in the music industry or Hollywood, and you're at the top of your life of your career. Nothing bad gonna happen. They don't show you behind the scenes of the industry. You know what I mean? So when you get there and you realize that it's not really the American dream 
that you was thinking about that they, I mean, that they painted for you. You know what I mean? You get depressed. You start looking to escape. You start to, you want to escape from the reality. You know what I mean? That's why everybody doped up and drunk, intoxicated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and like, same thing what happened with us, bro. You know what I mean? I remember yeah. the first time I got like my, my first house, you know, I think I was excited for like one month. <laughs> And then your soul, you want something else. You ne- you never satisfied. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I was never satisfied, bro. Until I accepted yeah. Islam. What luck, you know? No, no, I, I definitely see that. Like money and all that only goes so far, right? Like you, can, you can't you can take that with you to the grave. At the end of the day, you sleep in a, the same bed, in the same room, right? Whether you have 10 rooms, even, even Pac said this. He's just like, why do people need more than one room? You know what I mean? More than like, oh, like, like, can we just keep it to one car? Can we just keep it to one house? I mean, yeah. all that stuff means nothing after a while, you know? True, true, but, true. But I mean, and, and that outlet that you were talking about, Silamon, earlier, like it was mentioned in the book, your cousin Reef Muta put you on to yes. rap. That, and that was like the outlet that you never knew that you needed at that age, uh, like onto Slick Rick, Run DMC, A Tribe Called Quest. And uh, yes. It, that that kind of took you out of the street life for a little bit, right? It, it let you know that that there's something else you can do. You're talented in a different area. To so talk to me, like, how was that moment? Like, how were you feeling during that? I think the first time that my my cousin ever, you know, came in and started playing his music, it was the first time I ever heard something like that. And it just hit me instantly because I was able to relate to it. You know, it was rhyming. It was talking about, you know, what we wear in the streets. It was talking about our culture. You know what I mean? So for me, it didn't really take me away from the street because hip hop always had a connection to the streets. You know what I mean? It just glamorized what we was going through in the streets and it just, it just made it fun. You know, back then they was wearing the Kangos, you know, hip hop started in New York where they had the flavor. They started the whole trend, the whole culture. You know what I mean? So, you know, I remember we used to go, (laughs) unfortunately, another thing my cousin introduced me to, I don't know, we mentioned this in the book, like we used to go where, the older guys from my neighborhood used to play basketball with each other. Actually, the drug dealers. So I think it was like twice a, a week they'd go to, um, it was called the PAL. You know, they'd go to this 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 inside gym and they'd take all their jewelry off. <laughs> all their gold mentioned. rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, we forgot this though. So maybe the next book. And they have like yeah. three finger <laughs> three finger rings. So now we know what a three finger ring is because we listening to Slick Rick and them. So when they, my cousin knew he wanted this, from the rap music, but he didn't have the money. So he decided that when these drug dealers take their rings and stuff off and put it down to go play, he'd take everything and we'd run out <laughs> of that building. You know what I mean? So we started dressing like these hip hop artists. You know what I mean? And it just became something where I was like, you know what? This is something I want to do for the rest of my life. It was a way for me to express myself. It was a culture. It just felt, you know what I mean? Felt at home. Yeah. And that was important, man. It was important for me too, just, just sort of looking. Like I said, you know, putting that research I had on to see how Mu caught the wave of rap at the time. And it really was just in its beginning stages. So really, he's like one of the pioneers, one of the early, you know, you know, not founders, but one of the early pioneers <laughs> of, of, of rap, you know, to, to see where it's, you know, come now, where he is now. You know, it's just amazing, you know, so that was really important to, to get that context again, you know, for people to know what the purpose of rap was and how, you know, the purpose it was for Black America in general, but also for Moo's life, you know, specifically, you know? Definitely. Because it was new mm-hmm. back then. Now, you you got rappers everywhere. Every hood, every internet, 
but back then man. it was rare. It was rare when you had someone from maybe one neighborhood would have one underground artist, you know? Yeah. So I became like a celebrity in my neighborhood before I was even introduced to Pac, you know what I mean? Or introduced to the to, to the rap world. I was already famous in my neighborhood where whenever somebody come on a block saying they could got they could rap, man, they, my friends and my brothers are running blocks to get me and say move come challenge this dude he say he can rap <laughs> <laughs> well and yeah you're right you know about the early stages man because a tribe called quest was like the introduction of jazz rap like that was those guys are the pioneers and you came right after them because you were kind of influenced by them you know and uh yes. yeah that's crazy and i think like when we heard uh like the famous lines in that book about money got me feeling like a star uh murder got me feeling like that's not far um, yes, that was at the age of 14, you wrote that, which was absolutely mind blowing. I mean, it kind of speaks to uh, like what you had gone through to that point. But the, the craziest thing is that when you met Pac, he took you under his wing. It's like it was like everybody's dream come true. Like he didn't even hear you rap at that time. Right. He just kind of he's yes. just like, I got you. Right. He's like, I got you. Yeah, definitely. Was, he was just filling me out. I guess he would just, um, you know, he you know, Pac was he's a clever guy. He was a very clever guy. So. Back then, it didn't matter how much skills you had as a rap artist. When Pac was trying to put this group together, he was looking for, you know, the quality of a person, the character of a person, you know what I mean, before he just bring them close to him. So I was waiting to rap for days, weeks, months. Like, when is this guy going to listen to my demo? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was getting frustrated. Like, this is why I come around you. When are you going to listen? But he was just filling me out. And then when he got comfortable with me, he was like, okay, now let me hear your demo. <laughs> when I finally played it for him, he wanted to put, I remember the first time I went in the studio with the rest of the Outlaws, we was called, they was called um, Thoroughheads. Young. They went through a trans, they was for, Thoroughheads, then Young Thugs, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. okay. They was first Thoroughheads, then they became Young Thugs. So when I got involved, we was Young Thugs. First time we did a song together as Suleiman, we mentioned in a book, The Killing Fields. It was a hit, yeah. but I was mad because Pac said, I'm, I want to make y'all into a group. I remember I was selfish back then. I was like, man, I don't want to be in a group. I want to be a solo artist. And I really was like upset. Like, man, what the hell he made? Put me in a group. I came to him as a solo artist. I don't want to be in a group with these guys. That's what was my mindset, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And we, but that group made history, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Killing Fields being that first song that you guys all made together. I wasn't alive at that time, man. I'm, I'm young. I'm not old like you guys, but no, but, but um, like, was that, was that known? Like when that came out, cause Pac was kind of on it. At least he was talking in the beginning. Was that a hit in any way? Like in Irvington or, or it ain't, in Brooklyn? It, ain't really, it, ain't, it was so underground that it ain't really come out on the radio. Nobody really heard it till recently times that they started playing on YouTube. But when Pac first did it, when we first did it, Pac wasn't on the song. He hmm. came later when he, he was in New York and we played the phone. We played the song over the phone for him. And I remember, man, he was so happy that he started crying. That he was like, man, this is what I was trying to get out of y'all. And when he came back to Atlanta, he's like, man, I want to get on that song. Like, he did the intro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it, it just connected. Like, bro, we just connected as if we we was, like, doing it for forever. But it was just a few months that we've been around each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Suleiman, what at what point did the outlaws kind of get on your radar? Like, how old were you when that happened? <laughs> yeah, like I said, man, I was, I was about 15, 16. Yeah, I was, um, 
I was, uh, yeah, I grew up on, you know, because I'm from New York, we grew up on Biggie and Jay-Z and Nas. So those were like, you know, those were, <laughs> those were the realists, you know, and they all from New York, but Biggie and Jay-Z, because they're from Brooklyn, I was like, that was, you know what I mean? So the homies that I was with, they were all, you know, they were always, that's what seems like bumping. But then they also had a lot, a lot of respect for pop. I mean, like a lot. So much so that they all, I mean, you have to imagine that a lot of my homies were Puerto Rican, you know, so they're not black. But they have so much uh, respect for Pac that they shave their heads and they have outlaw tattoos. <laughs> I'm asking them, like, what's that? What, you know, what's, what's the outlaw? They're like, oh, uh, my name is Sean Boogie back in the day. So they're like, yo, Sean Boogie, you don't know what <laughs> like, And they, 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 they rap with him. I was like, what? And he was like, um, he was like, yeah, he was like, you need to listen to him. So once they told me that, I listened to him. I was like, oh, these dudes are raw. You know what I mean? Your mic, you, you mute your mic. Yeah, I think you might be covering your mic, Suleiman. You can't, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. now we can hear you. Okay. Sorry, the phone, the phone came in. Yeah, among the outlaws, you know, Gaddafi and uh, and Mu, you know, those were the ones that really, they were real cerebral, you know, because I, you know, I was, you know, I was academic, so I, I listened to the words <laughs> and how to do it. I was like, yo, these guys, they got some, they got some skills, man. So, especially yeah. <laughs> Gaddafi, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, and and like the influence that the way Pac just made you guys way better, right? Put you guys on good production. All right, like for sure. You know that it that, was like a just... competition. It was it was like a friendly competition amongst each other. A lot of people don't know, man. Even with Pac and Gaddafi, Gaddafi had Pac on his heels, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like 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 Gaddafi. There was times when Gaddafi laid lyrics. Pac had to go back and do another verse because he like Pac one what he ain't want nobody to outshine him. That's just how he was. <laughs> so when Gaddafi do a hot verse, Pac could go back and just be like, you know what? And destroy it even hard, man. He because Gaddafi was bruh. That dude was, you know what I mean? Hey, just look. imagine, just yeah. imagine like if he would have because he was only around, he he passed away a couple months after Pac. He was in the music yeah. industry, I would say, for what two years? You know what I mean? Like imagine yeah. if he would have. And he was only getting better and better as a lyricist, bro. That dude was a beast. <laughs> yeah, man. He was, he really was. Like it was a free competition, <laughs> man. I, I used to we used to be in that studio pot. You said listen to him, like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but you know? yeah, because like you mentioned that he passed away a couple months after Pac. That's just like the theme yes. that that of the book. Anytime you became close yeah. to somebody, you got to know somebody. They were taken away from you, and, and That's you know, how I saw even my whole life, you know, yeah, yeah, and like, uh, yeah. even when Pac got shot five times, like it was, uh, like all those those um, consistent deaths didn't hadn't have happened yet. They didn't happen yet, and Pac got shot five times, and you got on the phone with him, right, when they were passing it yeah. through the room. Probably one of the coldest yeah. moments in the book when he's like, uh, you didn't really know him like that, I guess, at that point, the way you did later on, and. He's just like, yes. you think I'd let them take me away from you so soon? That was probably yeah, the coldest yeah, moment that, in the book. And that's and that that's caught me off guard, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I was new to them. I was new into the family. So, you know, when a person gets shot and he survived and he in the hospital, just got out of surgery, I, I never imagined that he would say pass the phone to me because back then, you know what I mean? I, I wasn't, I didn't look at myself as family, family. Like, they just know me. So they just met me. So I figured they're going to, he gonna speak to his sister, tell everybody they're okay. Once they hang up, they're gonna tell me like Pac is okay. So I was surprised when he was like, pass the phone to move. 
And when he said those words, like, you don't think they'll let me take you away from me so soon? I was like, man, this dude got love. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the hospital bed, you know what I mean? Thinking about how we feel of his situation, our reaction of it, you know what I mean? So he was just that type of person, man. That's how he was, just a genuine individual, you know what I mean? Pac was the type of person, man, I, I, you know what I mean? He was loyal to death, but if you his enemy, that dude's going to try to destroy every part of you from your character, your character, from you physically, mentally. <laughs> that dude, I used to say, this guy got, twi- you know how they really say he had two personalities. Yeah, it was uh, Tupac and Machiavelli, right? The two personalities. Yeah, bro, like, you, he's just the nicest person. Then he'd become a beast if you get on his bad side. And it wasn't fronting. Like, you know, people say, oh, he front. No, this is how Pac really was. You know what I mean? With the, Even when the cameras was off, that's, how, that's his nature. Mm. Yeah, and, like, you said uh, in the book that one thing that caught you off guard about him was that he was so nice. Like you, you, cause you were, you know, you were from a rough part of town and, you know, you were trying to be that guy, right. You're trying to show him how tough you were and all of that. And, um, yeah. and like, it turns out that he's just like, yo, chill out. Like, you know, people are talking crap to him. You, you know, go say something to that person. He's like, yo, chill out, man. <laughs> like, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, Pac, yeah. Pac, he, he, he was ahead of his time. He was, he was mature. Like he was very mature for his age. You remember he died at 25 years old. But he was ahead yeah. of his time. So when he was 21, 22, he wasn't really with that drama. You know what I mean? So he was trying to explain to us back then, you know, that, no, if you're going to get in the music industry, your mentality have to change. You know what I mean? You can't you can't come with that street mentality and think you're going to make it. So I was shocked that he had that type of mindset. Most yeah. people don't know that side of him. I'm talking about to the point, man, we used to we used to have to literally sneak out the house late at night because he was always worried about us getting in trouble. And then he was young, you know what I mean? He, he 25 years old when he passed away. Um, like the main, one of the main themes of this, uh, of this book was the East versus West Coast um, beef, which is in reality, after reading that book, it wasn't really East versus West Coast. It was some, East Coast individuals versus some West Coast individuals that were beefing and the public just kind of caught on thinking it was East versus West. And that was shown when, you know, Nas and Pac met up in the East and squashed their beef. Uh, like Fat Joe was telling these people to look out for Pac in prison. So so this whole thing was kind of looked at as inc- uh, as as bigger than it was, I guess, or differently than it was. And uh, so Suleiman, when you when you heard this from uh like muta like these this in details was this new to you that like oh this isn't really east this wasn't really east versus west coast it was just some individuals yeah i mean yes and no um like i said i grew up i grew up at, at that time so i was i was in the middle of, and i remember it when he was talking about it, i remember it like it was yesterday you know so for me like i had a personal uh i was personally and emotionally invested in the whole thing because it was serious you know you know you know, at that time, it was serious about the East Coast, West Coast stuff. Um, um, but I didn't, and I, it, it was serious. So the, you can't make no mistake, people were dying um, because they were, you know, affiliated with West or East. Um, but at the same time, I did not know, you know, how much love Pac had for for the East itself. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize that Pac was from New York, you know what I'm saying, until a little later on. 
Um, and I didn't realize, you know, that he, that he had people in New York that was holding him down, like Fat Joe. You know, so when, you know, in talking to me, I said, you know, I got to make it clear to everybody who reads, you know, you know, I don't know if anybody's really written on with you know, with that, with that insight from somebody who's writing the middle, who's in the middle of it. But I had to make sure that people, it wasn't, it wasn't just this thing, you know, really hot beef with people who just happen to be on the East Coast. And you know, yeah. the, the, the media is a little out of control. When you really think about it, all the outlaws are from New Jersey. All the East Coast, West Coast, and all the <laughs> <laughs> true. So they would hate themselves, you know. So yeah, we would know. hate ourselves. You know what I mean? That's true. <laughs> yeah, and Pac always and Pac always let it know. Like, even though some people like Sudiman found out later, but he always made it known that he's from the East Coast, and I think that's what hurt him so much because he was like, um, he even before his All Eyes on Me, his Me Against the World album, he did a whole song called "Ain't Nothing Like the Old School," where he shouted out every New York rapper. You know, so but he felt like in a way that he wasn't accepted by the East Coast rappers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I Definitely. mean, most of that, at least like most, if not all of those beefs and everything, like with you and the and the East Coast guys been sorted out. Because I, I heard you talking about, you know, getting in touch with Nas and kind of talking about that situation that you uh, with Pac and Nas and For getting sure. the story straight and everything. So everything's good now, right? With that? Yeah, everything good. And like Suleiman said, it wasn't, in, in the book, dude, it makes it clear that it wasn't an East Coast, West Coast beef. Like yeah. you said, it was just certain individuals who had a misunderstanding. And even I believe that Pac would have lived long enough and Biggie would have lived long enough and the God knows best. I, I believe they would have sat down and squashed that beef. Mm. I believe so. You know what I mean? Because I heard Pac said out of his own mouth that he don't want to harm Biggie. I heard him say that. He's like, I don't really want that bad to happen. I just want to spank him up with, like a little brother. You know what I mean? And he said that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that, that was a crazy time in history. Like, that was ridiculous. It's like, when I'm reading it, it's all before I was born and everything. Um, that was like, <laughs> think about it as a war zone, right? Like, the country was kind of a war zone if you're from the East or West. And that's just what it seemed like at that time. The 90s, is wild, boy. The nineties is wild. You know what I mean. That's how tense it was. That yeah. if we catch one of them and out in LA, we're gonna try to press them. But I remember when we went to New York. This what really let me know, man, that it was more of the media. Like we ran into every rap artist you can think of from New York, and every single one of them showed us love from. Fabulous, he's from Brooklyn, from, um, you know, just every major rapper, Method Man. And I remember, like, these people really, you know, really showing us love. You know, at, it was at a particular time where we used to believe that if we go to New York, we doomed. Yeah. <laughs> we doomed. But when we got there, man, it was amazing how they were showing us a lot of respect and love. So the media blew it out of proportion, really. Yeah, and, and all, through that chaos... You know, although you were kind of talking about yourself as like a crazy guy, crazy kid or whatever, um, you actually did. You handled some things very maturely, like with uh, uh, with Mob Deep, uh, that whole situation, how you kind of let him go. Like, you know, these guys are cool. You talk to him uh, face to face. And then our, our own brother, Amir, uh, he's like our brother Loon. He's like, it's so crazy that 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 interaction happened between you guys. That's so insane. He, he mentioned it to you, huh? 
No, no, I read in the book, but but I had him on the <laughs> podcast, right? I, I talked to him actually yeah. like pretty often, you know. Um, that yeah. was wild to me when I read that. I was like, man. Yeah, Amir is also a real one. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he did that. Pre- he did them pretty boy rats, but he was known to be a real dude. <laughs> <laughs> and that's crazy. You're right, man. How you know what I mean? I guess at that point, you know, I never been a bully. I was just a wild individual, but I always had, you know what I mean just like some compassion. Like I wasn't the type of person that I wasn't corrupt where I would say it's 30, 40 of us. Let's just beat one dude up. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, unless that guy was just really crazy asking for it. We did it at times. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he really asked for it. But with my deep, you know what I mean? Even with Amir Loon, it was just a situation where was mutual respect there. You know what I mean? And are there any guys in the industry back then that, that you're still close with? Like, any of the, like the New York rappers or just anybody in general? A lot of them. Recently, I got back in contact with um, Jim Jones. Mm. You know what I mean? I recently got in t- contact with Jim Jones and he, he a real dude. And recently, maybe like two months ago, he hit, we followed each other, hit, hit each other up. So I was like, he do remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he showed love, you know what I mean? And he's just a real dude. Like, these are individuals that they always just been solid, you know, just been solid dudes, man. So the same way the West Coast, you got solid dudes. The East Coast, New York is full of solid dudes as well. And I think if Pac was around, he probably would have, man, it would have been so much work, you know what I mean? Um, joint ventures that they would have done together. Right before yeah. he passed, matter of fact, he was doing a whole album with the homies from, they from Brooklyn, um, Suleiman, Black Moon and them. Oh, yeah. I remember, you, you know, Pot did a whole album, bro. But what know. was it? Black Moon, Young Bucks, what's his name? Um, BDI. Wow. You know their names. You remember, you know what I'm talking about, right? Helter Skelter, they call Black yeah. Moon. Yeah, Helter Skelter. Um, yeah, they had the song Duck Down, home to the original gun clappers, Bucktown. It was they did a song about Brooklyn. Man, right before Pac died, he flew them out to New York, man. They all stayed in Pac House with us. They did a whole album, and Pac wanted to show the world that look, that's not an East Coast what he was like, look, I'm with rappers from Brooklyn. They living in the same house with me. We doing an album so the people can see it's not an East Coast, West Coast beef. You know what I mean? But then he passed away and they never put the album out. That's crazy, man. That, that's so crazy to think about. It's like the way it is. Yeah, but man. I mean, to wrap it up, this this book finished with like so well because you said Suleiman said I had to put Muta's story in a book in book form for you to read because you would have never been able to read his story by looking at his face. Man, <laughs> that's so true though, man. Because you're like always smiling and everything. When you first went to the mosque too, you're talking about man. My face was tired from. <laughs> From smiling so much yeah, there, yeah, it was yeah. so weird to me, right? <laughs> talk, That's crazy, but but yeah, definitely. Islam does that, you know. Islam do that to you, where you just like, you know what I mean. The old lifestyle just it wears you down, you know what I mean. Where you just, I was really unhappy until I accepted Islam. Honestly, you know, I can say, you know, um, my friends, my family, they would tell you, man, that you know, as a youngster, I remember the purity as a kid, and then I just remember somewhere along the line, I just got corrupted because of the way I was living my life. Then Islam just brought me back to that natural fitra. You know what I mean? Well, as a kid, I used to love the smile. <laughs> yeah. 
I think Life's so. Good now. I think it's good now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just freestyling. <laughs> but man, life's good now. Life's good, Suleiman. Life's good, Muta. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You guys had a clothing brand? 33? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 33, man. You know what I mean? We we put it together. Me, Suleiman, Muhammad. Shout out to Muhammad. And soon we have more information about 33 dropping soon. Tell them, Suleiman. Inshallah. Yeah, yeah we, we're working on <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's important to... uh important to, to, to try to be in business you know try to be in business and try to brand yourself you know um and try to you know have multiple sources of income you know this is very important you know a lot of people uh, so, underestimate uh, it's important to yeah, build so my you got to come out with uh, some beard oil people would buy it when they look at your beard they can be like that, that got him back <laughs> Marshall, that's, like, tough, bro. That, that, that's a good idea bro <laughs> somebody somebody hit me up i think i told you Somebody said, where's the guy with the big beard at? Now, when I somebody, if they don't know his name. Yeah, I need a 20% cut. 20% oh, cut right now. <laughs> yes, sir. But, hey, man, I appreciate you guys big time. You guys are going to stick by uh, for like 30 seconds after this podcast ends. But you guys are awesome. And I knew this would be an awesome podcast. That's why, you know, it took a while to come through. But it's awesome, man. I appreciate you guys so much, guys. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Peace.